Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself, learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, I am so glad you've joined me for this episode of the Relevate podcast called Fire and Butter. I actually have two guests joining me for this episode, a first for the podcast. Stephen Hartsock is a barbecue legend in this area and also has a line of barbecue spices called Socks Love Rub. Also joining me is Ron Barnes, who's known for many things. His professional career as an OR pharmacist his heart for mentoring, and his legendary cookies. I hope this conversation and these men inspire you to think how you too can use your margin to serve other people. Let's Relevate. Stephen Hartsock and Ron Barnes, welcome to the Relevate podcast. Glad to be here. Good to be here. my gosh. So we're finally here together. It took a little bit to get on you guys' schedule couple cancellations maybe uh, yeah Stephen. <laughs> no comment it's truly an honor to be here today with you guys whom i adore and respect deeply it was at that intersection of really good food and serving others that brought us together and hopefully bonded us for life i'm excited for you to both share your stories of what's possible when you give yourself away but first i'd love to know a little bit more of your backstory who wants to go first? Stephen Hartsock. Well, I guess I should say maybe a little bit of how how we both first met. Sure. I met you at No Longer Bound, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, through... Ben. Ben. Feldman. Feldman. Yeah. Yes. And he got connected through... Jeff Henderson. Jeff Henderson. Yeah. And that's, that's a pretty cool story, how they met. Yeah. Um, so I met you there. I just wanted to go... Meet the guys, show up, feed them, and see what happens. And um, we stayed connected. Mm-hmm. So that's how we first met Rena and Ron. I met him. Uh, this is kind of funny. I thought about <laughs> this today. So I heard you before I saw you in the <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> which was really cool. So I have a restaurant in Cumming, Georgia. And uh, at the time, we were pretty new. Uh, we're about a year old now. And, uh, and that restaurant is called what? Socks Love Barbecue. Mm. And it's Mm. amazing. Yes. My favorite. Yeah. So I, in the, even now, I think I I still try to make eye contact and have conversation with everyone that comes in when I can. Mm. Uh, But especially when we were new. So um, Ron caught my attention quickly, mostly because he knew some, I don't know if you remember this, but you knew. Someone in there, and it, it, by, based on the conversation, it, it appeared that you guys hadn't seen each other in a while. And there were hugs and everything, and uh, your laugh was huge. And I just remember 
I hope he comes back. I remember oh, thinking, I hope he comes cool. back. Because we didn't, we didn't know one another. And, um, and sure enough, you came back. I mean, you, you've been back, and we know a lot of people, similar yes, people. Yes, we do. A including lot. the two mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I met you guys. So should I share about myself now? Yeah. Well, Ron, why don't you tell how you know us? It's kind of the same. Same. I met Rena um, at No Longer Bound. Um, I got connected starting mentoring guys over there. And uh, first I only knew a couple of the residents. And then as I got to spend more and more time over there, I really got to know the staff well and valued them greatly. So that's how I got to know you. Uh, Steve, uh, because of a good friend of mine um, that I work with, he was manic about this barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) And he said the guy uh, went to Gwinnett Church. So I had to go meet him. So that's the first time. And I knew instantly it was, food was phenomenal, but the staff is what brings me back every time. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. So cool. Okay. So more about you, Hartsog. It was a um, cold, wintry (laughs) December, 1978. (laughs) Sorry. You should see there. Were you born in December? December 26, 78. No way. I was yeah. born on December 25th. Oh, yeah? Come on. That's awful. I know. We are so jet. Man, I met a guy last uh, yesterday <laughs> that was born on Christmas Eve, and that could be the worst. I don't know. Maybe it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I'm 40, sorry, as I get a bunch of eye rolls. Whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, I was born in Columbus, Georgia. I come from a, sort of sum things up, I come from a, a blended family, even though we didn't call it that. Back in, back in the day, but uh, a good family, nothing too out of the ordinary, nothing too traumatic. We didn't go to church as a family, uh, but we, I went to church. I managed to go to church. There were some folks in my family that, that went, and I, I think it was more for the entertainment, maybe, maybe for the wrong reasons, but it still, uh, there's many places you could be, I guess, and something good will probably rub off, I guess. So yeah, I didn't go to college. I was kind of a worker guy. And uh, my parents saw that in me, so I, I don't think I was ever pressured to do that. So I just went right to work, right out of high school. And uh, I got married uh, pretty young and had a couple kids. And uh, just like my parents, I got divorced. And uh, and uh, so so now my family is a blended family. I'm remarried to my wife, Kim. She's amazing. She's pretty awesome. So awesome. Yeah, so we, we are celebrating nine years this year and she had a son ben and together we have three kids plus a dog henry uh, we have caroline Tully, and ben and um i was in construction for 15 years thought that that's what i would do forever the downturn in 07 08 and 09 really mm-hmm. kind of wrecked a lot of those plans and by then i had created a seasoning that i was selling commercially and uh, that turn kind of energized a, a passion for cooking, and so I started catering to support that, and uh, it grew to the point to where I was able to quit my job in 2015 and start a full-fledged catering company and now a restaurant. And That's cool. Yeah. Didn't you first do like a blend of the seasonings for we did. as a gift for your wedding guests? Yeah, the original season, we called it, so my last name's Hartsock. Uh, the boys were known as the Socks, so... Uh, we called it Socks Love Rub and gave it away at the wedding with no intentions mm. of, of having a business with that. I was still building houses at the time. So family members started calling and saying that they wanted more. And 
I thought, well, with the internet, there's not yeah. too much you can't do. So um, I just kind of dove in to try to see what it would take to get it into a commercial bottle. And we did that in about six months and launched it out for sale. Okay. Yeah. And it's still for sale. Still for sale. It's amazing. And how many different blends do you have now? We have six and two sauces. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your top seller? Original seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. It's OG. OG. Dig you know it. what OG means? I'm going to test you. I do. You do. Original right. gangsta. No. Yes. No. Nice, Rena. I know. No. Original gangsta. Ah. I just like the seasoning. Oh, okay. Good. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> yeah. call it original. Just Ron's. Ron's original seasoning. Ron's favorite. <laughs> Ron's blend. So that's my story. Can't change it. I'm stuck with it. I dig it. How about you, Mr. Barnes? Well, I was born in 1957, so if you quickly do the math, I will be 62 next month. Uh, I was born the oldest of three kids to wonderful, godly parents who are both in heaven. The only problem with dad was he worked for IBM, which stands for I've Been Moved. So you name a big city in the United States, and we were probably there. So I learned to move quickly, and I learned to adapt fast, which was great. Uh, easy to make friends, easy to make conversations. And it was also great to know that I wanted to be in Atlanta for college. So I chose Mercer Pharmacy School because it was in Atlanta, not because it was the cheapest. I'm sure my parents <laughs> wish that was different, but did. So I graduated as a pharmacist in 1980 and started working at DeKalb General. I've never interviewed for a job until the very last one. Uh, I always at, got asked to move to a job, which is kind of unusual. But Northside Forsyth required an official interview, so mm. I am currently the surgical pharmacist, one of four, at Northside Forsyth Forsyth, and love it. Um, wonderful place to work, great patient care. But the important thing is, uh, and I am also single, which is very unusual for a 62-year-old man. But uh, through that, God gave me the ability to have margin. And so even though I did different jobs, um, I was director of pharmacy at St. Joe's, night pharmacist at one position, currently staff here. Um, He always created in those different seasons, different margins on how to serve. And so one of my passions is to figure out where God wants me next. And so if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I'm going to go work with lepers in India. If you ask me five years ago, I'm going to do campus ministry and talk. And if you do it right now, I'm going to say I'm working with guys that no longer bound and would love to mentor them the rest of my life. But I do know that God has a season that he opens and he closes and he wonderfully gives you the margin and resources to do those. That is so cool. So how did you begin to bridge that gap and come to the knowledge that, hey, I've got some extra time on my hands. I want to use it to give back. How did that I was happen. fortunate, um, even though my parents were wonderful Christians, I really did not create a relationship with God until my early 20s. And through that, I met a bunch of people that just loved to serve in high school ministry. And so the church I was at at the time, Crab Apple Baptist, oh, yeah. uh, the pastor would wait about a year when you joined the church, and then he would figure out where you belonged. And That is cool. One of the guys I volunteered on the fire department with, he asked us both to do high school ministry. And that was in 1983. And so I've been doing student ministry since 1983. And so that started the involvement of mm-hmm. one-on-one mentoring, which I believe is one of the gifts God's given me. 
and where to serve and how to serve. And then along with that came mission trips and third world trips and working with the Y with multicultural families. And so it's just expanded. But I think the laugh of that is every time I think this is what I'm going to do permanently to serve, God closes a door, but yet opens another one and gives me different margin and different resources to work with that. Such cool thing. I'm leaving. <laughs> I have nothing to he add. W- he wins volunteer of the, of the century for sure. So for many of us living in America, career consumes most of our waking hours, our energy, and our thoughts. And our identity becomes hopelessly wrapped up in what we do. Did either of you ever feel that way? And what did you do to break through? I did, for sure. Um, Not so much in construction. I don't think I would ever tell anyone that I was in construction because once you do that, then you're forever doing your friends' honeydew lists (laughs) who don't have tools. But when I changed careers and, you know, barbecue is is kind of a, it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have any barriers. You could talk about barbecue all over the world and people get excited. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a a good position to be in if if you're the guy that, that does the barbecue. So forever I was, and even now I'm the barbecue guy. So any conversation I ever have with someone, it's going to be about barbecue or whether I want to hear it or not, or talk about it or not. Um, which is good because I'm introverted, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Once I'm in my, my own space, I'm comfortable, but for the most part, I'd, I, I would avoid meeting people for for the sake of not having that initial conversation. So uh, having the outlet of being the barbecue guy gave me something to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it put me in a lot of rooms that I wouldn't normally go in myself. But then, you know, there's more to me than barbecue. I just don't often know how to get that out. Yeah. Um, and honestly, well, construction did have a lot to do with that. When I, I was able to serve in, in a lot of capacities and overseas and miss, you know, mission work as a construction worker, you know, I wasn't able to go and speak and mentor and things like that, but I could go build a playground and loved it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, my, certainly my identity is wrapped up in what I do for good or for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, and that barbecue thing, it's not an eight hour job by any means. I know you're. No, (laughs) it's funny. We, we get picked on a lot because we're only open for lunch three hours a day, but we're truth be told it's, our kitchen's open 12 hours. There's a body in there for 12 hours. So it's a, it's a long day to put out three hours worth of. But we're very thankful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very thankful. Keep on keeping on. And I smell like that. I mean. You do not. <laughs> you smell delicious, Steve. Hard, it's hard for your identity to not be wrapped up in what you smell like. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How about you, Ron? You know, my. Uh, Third job. So when I moved from North Fulton Hospital to St. Joe's, that put me on what I'd call the management career track. Mm. Um, And I had a great professional mentor down there that immediately put me in track of professional organizations, management team, skill base, all that stuff. And so as a single person, it was all about the career at that time, I have to admit. And, you know, I eventually was president of the state organization. I was big in national organization. I became the director. 
And, and, and I have to admit, I would travel, I would speak, all my spare time went to that professional mm-hmm. career, professional organization, which helped me tremendously in so many areas, but it left very little margin to do other things. And so because of that, as the director of pharmacy, one day I went, I don't want to be on 24-7. And of course, hospital health care is 24-7. Definitely. I want something different. And so I started looking for other jobs and looking for other jobs because I simply wanted to be the camp director at the church. Mm. And I couldn't. I would go to camp and I would get paged and I'd get called and, you know, all that. And so I kept looking and I kept looking and I kept looking and finally figured out that I could have a great hourly job at my own organization. And my boss at the time was president of the hospital and said, yep, we'll make that happen. And it was the greatest thing because it put me on seven days on, seven days off. And it gave me seven off to do ministry. Nice. And that changed everything. Wow. And how long ago was that? 12 years. 12 years. Going from director to back to staffing. Yeah. And that's just being creative, drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, I don't want to give myself away to the job. You know, there's more to life than this. You know, it's funny though. I either got criticized for it or complimented for it. Mm. I got criticized because what are you doing? You're on this great career track. You've got a a big place to go. You've got big salaries. Or people that knew what was important in life said, I'm really impressed. So, I mean, did it really make you feel defeated in any way? You know, I love when God speaks to you loudly. And when he clearly said, this is the job for you. I I prayed going up and down 400 every day when I would go back and forth to work. God just write it in the sky. I remember it clear as day. God, write it in the sky what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And he almost did that. <laughs> I mean, it was that clear. Mm-hmm. I had someone come in and go, well, you need to do this job. And I went, you're absolutely correct. Wow. And it was so smooth, and the transition was so great um, that I, I just knew it was the right thing to do. And immediately it gave me the freedom to do so much more youth ministry, mm-hmm. so many more mission trips, and I had just come back from India and worked at an orphanage there. And I had just taken my first medical surgical mission trip. And so, oh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that at all. That's cool. That's very cool. So, Stephen, I know you stay really busy with your kids and your business and not only your barbecue business, but your seasonings business. But, but you still make time to give back. What kind of was stirring in your heart? that made you feel you needed to do that? And why No Longer Bound? Well, No Longer Bound is super special, and I am not going to use those tissues down there. <laughs> but I had a, my dad uh, suffered and struggled his, in well, his, probably his whole life with alcohol and some type of substance abuse, mm-hmm. drugs, uh, pills. Was but, he present in your life? Yeah, the Pretty typical every other weekend kind of dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he. It wasn't because he didn't want to be around us. I, I never got that feeling. It was uh, because work and you know it wasn't required of him to do it any more than every other weekend. So it was okay, I guess, when we were we were with him. But we had a stepmom that was very caring and looked out for us. But no longer bound means a ton to me because that place could have saved my dad's life, probably would have saved my dad's life if I would have known about it. I don't think it would have been too late. And the cool thing was he was a Christian, so there's there's hope in that for sure. But he was an incredible woodworker. He spent 30-something 
35 years maybe as a ASC trained mechanic. He worked for the BMW dealerships all throughout his career. So the industries that, that No Longer Bound has within the organization mm-hmm. fit him perfectly. It was crazy. So he would have, I think he would have thrived there. And I think not so much for me uh, having a relationship with him, but him being able to have a relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. Never had that. So to see the guys that no longer bound be able to reconcile relationships with their families, especially their kids, is pretty incredible. So for me, it's easy, even though I don't have a lot of time in my schedule, it's easy for me to go and spend time with them and bring food to them and feed at whatever the cost is. Just to know that that little bit makes a huge difference in their lives. And even if I have the opportunity to say, hey, man, what you're doing now is important. Yeah. You know, I didn't, my dad didn't get that opportunity and he probably would have wanted that opportunity. What you're doing is important. So whether you're two months in the program or whatever, hang in there. And this isn't about no longer bound. I mean, we, you know, I've been able to serve in Bosnia with Global X three times. That's um, cool. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> you got to share. We're in the team. We're in the team. Yeah, so I did that, and and I was able to go over there and, and be a construction guy, which was so oh, cool, wow. you know. I, and it's it costs so much money to get there and takes 10 days out of your schedule, which isn't a lot in the big scheme of things. Uh, but no, that's, that's the reward. a huge gift right there. Oh, it's amazing. The reward you get personally. Like, I, I remember going, and I – this might be true for a lot of people, but I remember going on my first Global X trip and I felt a little, getting back, I felt a little bit selfish in a way because I felt like I got more from it so than true. the people that I went over there and served. So so y'all have both been on Global X trips. If you can just give a little snippet of what Global X is. Global X is North Point Community Church's mission side of the organization and they structure uh, trips with our partners over in third world countries, now all over the United States as well, to support. It could be as simple as doing vacation Bible school for students. It can be construction. It can be healthcare. My last one I went on was a clinic program. Um, But yeah, great organization, very efficient, effective. So when you hit the ground, you're working well planned out, very, very much like the organization. It is. It's a, not to water it down, but it's a good opportunity for someone who has never done a mission trip, but would, would like to go see what that's all about. North Point does a very good job of taking care of the the whole thing for you. Mm -hmm. So I agree. And there's, there's various trips that you could take that are all over the spectrum as far as amenities and how difficult they are and, and things like that. So I remember going, I remember being at Brownsbridge in the service and it was a, it was sort of a, a missions sort of based message. I don't remember who the pastor was, but I left there thinking my, uh, I'm supposed to go do a mission trip. That'd be my very first one. And I thought I'm not going to go to California or Mexico or even though I'm sure there's people there that need us. I want to go as far as I can. And so I went, and I went to Bosnia, and it, and they, at the time they were only like ten or twelve years removed from the from the war that they had. So it was incredible. I, I I truly came back a changed person inside, and I think that birthed the service side, or it just sort of 
mm-hmm. brought out that service side in me. That's cool. Correct your heart open a little bit. It did. I mean, I went back there twice, two times after that. So awesome. So Andy Stanley. Who's that? <laughs> My pastor, your pastor. He's like everybody's pastor. He's like the most quoted man in this area. Have you ever noticed how yes. people will be like, Andy yeah. Stanley said. Andy says. I would Andy says, quote um, Sandra anyway. <laughs> he encourages us to find what breaks your heart. And once you find that, go do something by giving, serving, and loving others. Let's talk about finding your heartbreak and in doing so, finding your greater calling in life, Mr. Barnes. I'm going to add one to that. Uh, David Platt, numerous years ago in his book, Radical said, find the thing that makes your heart full of passion mm-hmm. and pour all your resources into those one or two things and you will make such a bigger bang for the kingdom. Mm. And so I, I hear Andy say, what hurts your heart? And I love that because a lot of times that's what stimulates it. And then as you start to do whatever it is, the passion grows yes. and you're willing to give more and more away. So, you know, I think, first of all, you've got to have margin in your life. And so I think the way you live creates that margin, whether it be time, whether it be resources, whether it be talent. So one of the things I think God calls us to do is look very seriously at the gifts and resources he gave us and then allow margin to take place so that we can do that. And everybody has different margin, different resources. But I think that's one of the things that we are called to do is look at that margin And then once you have that margin, then I think you need to be very open to listen to where the Holy Spirit turns, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it is phenomenal to me when you're in the right place and carefully listening to what you're supposed to be doing, how he just opens these amazing doors. Um, So the thing I'm, again, most passionate right now is high school students. I coach at Inside Out, which is the high school ministry at North Point, and mentoring one-on-one with the guys at No Longer Bound, helping them make a smooth transition from the program into the world again. And I think the thing that I heard Steve say, and I so agree on, is it takes so little to change so much at the Bound. And so what we don't, or maybe a better way of saying it is, what we take for granted they don't, and they've never had. Yeah. And so my favorite questions from one of the mentees was, well, what's my job as a mentee? I, I don't even know what my role is because I've never had a mentor. And I thought, mm-hmm. my goodness, a grown adult and you've never had a mentor. So again, I think what I love is when you come alongside these guys and pour in, as I call it, old fart wisdom, um, <laughs> It allows you to help them work on the immediate needs so then you can really encourage them to grow in their faith. These guys, a lot of them have never had a one-on-one relationship with God or as they call them more intimately, Dad. And I think when you help them with the immediate needs, they start asking you the questions of, is there really grace? Is there really mercy? Does it look like this on the outside world? And I think that's what's so fun. And oh, yeah. And to be able to have those conversations with people where you're just, you're just so real and talking about what really matters. That's the good stuff. The heart hurts when you hear their stories, their addiction stories and what they've had to go through. uh, Hands down. Completely. Um, 
But then the passion comes in when you can see the change Mm -hmm. in them over the year program and then see what I consider minimal things to help them with but make such a huge difference. What breaks your heart, buddy? Speaking of of No Longer Bound, it's the stories. It's what breaks my heart is what is relatable, I guess, in a way, particularly the guys at the Bound. uh, Just the fact, again, what, what I know the road that they're, I know what they're doing. I know the road they're going down. I know the loss that they've probably experienced or may experience even more. So for me, it's easy to, to want to do for people like that when you understand it and know what that feels like. There, another thing, too, talking about Global X, the, the trip to Bosnia, the thing that I left with was, you know, there, it's maybe not Bosnia. I've been to Mexico, and you kind of, and some of the people even did this. You, you literally, some people would leave most of their clothes and shoes and things there. Oh. Cool. Because, and it's it's sad. In a way, you don't want to feel like you're better than someone, but you're leaving someone better than the way that you found them. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. truthfully. And it's they're a grateful gift. for that. Yeah. So just to be able to go and, and serve folks like that that don't have the resources we do, it fills you up, but it, it breaks your heart too at the same time. So we've all got that one thing that we can contribute to make someone's life better. For you, Stephen, it's your legendary barbecue. And for you, Ron, it's those buttery homemade cookies. After all, food is... It's love. (laughs) Food is love. Happiness. Totally. Totally. I'd love to know how you each started in serving and loving others in your own unique way. So let's start with you, Ron, because that's such Um, a unique thing you do. It's spelled mom. Mom had three boys, and she loved to bake. That was her love language. And uh, when we would come home from college, when we would have birthdays, it would all be about the desserts. And in fact, we became a family that instead of a birthday cake, we would have birthday pies because she would make the ultimate best. But what she was really good at was chocolate chip cookies. And uh, so Mm. as as a gift, as an adult, which is really weird for guys, we all got KitchenAid mixers. <laughs> I just got my first one like oh, three weeks ago. I don't know how you live without it. I know. So when mom passed away, and as she was getting more and more frail in her old days, I would take over the baking of the cookies for Christmas and all the holidays. But when she passed away, I started making them for celebrations and holidays, and it became a really great memory and celebration w- within of the, the family. Within the family, um, and then at work, and kind of spread, um, church, you know, you name it. And it just became a great way of remembering and celebrating her. So I remember I was at the bound one day after I dropped off, I think it was 20 dozen cookies. And uh, (laughs) Ed Bailey, the exec, said, why baking guy? How does that all work? And I said, it's to honor my mom. I said, she taught me how to bake. And so every time I make cookies, she's there with you. She sure is. It's cool. I love that. And your cookies are seriously amazing. That's one of the things I miss. (laughs) The last, so he, uh, Ron came to the kitchen and I I think I saw something on social media, Instagram or something. (laughs) And I'm like, the next time I saw him, I said, I've got to have whatever that cookie was immediately and I don't think you took me serious I was going to trade something for it buy your lunch or whatever and sure enough the next day he comes in with a giant Tupperware thing of cookies and 
I was busy. My crew ate about 90% of them before <laughs> I even got to it. <laughs> it's all about the crew. It is. Because they are the ones that make me happy. That's right. <laughs> crew. So they're phenomenal. They are phenomenal. And you don't just do chocolate chip. You do like a bazillion different kinds. And The current favorite of all of them right now is orange cranberry white chocolate chip. Oh, that oh, is the bomb. That is good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, listening to the guys and their stories of broken homes and broken families, I took for granted for a long, long time having an awesome set of parents that were godly and loved on us and cared for us and spoiled us rotten, Mm -hmm. disciplined us well. um, and, And I never knew any different until I went to college and started realizing everybody doesn't have parents. And everybody doesn't have a loving family. And everybody doesn't have a father that taught you the love of God. And so I think most importantly on all that is I very much value that now. And I very much love to honor them through that. And it's funny, at my dad's funeral, the people that got up and spoke about my dad talked about his one-on-one mentoring skills. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is awesome. I can honor him at the same way, working with the guys, pouring into them, coming alongside them too as well. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. And the, the thing with baking cookies, truly, that's something that anybody can do. And it brings such a moment of joy for somebody to bring you homemade cookies. I mean, I've witnessed it firsthand. Who doesn't, who doesn't love a, a, a gift like that? And um, I read recently there's a hospice in California where, you know, the patients are just so sick and they don't have an appetite. So they've started baking homemade cookies and just the smell of the cookies in the air and they bring them around is just such a, a sign of love. So I love, I love that example of you and your cookies. And I hope people start adopting. Let's, let's bake some cookies and start giving them away because it will bring joy to other people's lives. It I is promise. True. I never... I never thought about that in that way, but you can go pick up a frozen lasagna from the grocery store, take it home, heat it up, take it to someone's house who needs it, bag salad, and it's it's a very nice gesture. But when you get cookies, you know that somebody spent the time to bake them, make them and bake mm-hmm. them. I'm going to quit barbecue and just do cookies. <laughs> Fresh hot ones. Uh, if you talk to the OR staff at, at uh, Northside Forsyth, they know that cookie day is Thursday. Nice. Oh. And so wherever, whichever surgery suites I'm in those days, they know that there's a little plastic bag with two cookies in their pocket every day. That's so cool, man. That's, That's so cool. That is so cool. It is fun. And, you know, the whole cooking with love thing, I mean, it, I'm s- totally serious. It Food tastes different when it's cooked with love. Mm-hmm. It really does. I don't know what, what happens, but, and I think you, Heartsock, you totally cook with love. It's part of our name. I mean, and it's ironic, though, that that name came out of a wedding, my wife and I's wedding. So we called the seasoning that we gave away at the wedding Socks Love Rub. So it's a funny name, but the, the, the rub portion came from the fact it was a meat seasoning. The love part came from the fact that it was a wedding. So I didn't plan it that way, but... We carried that on into the business we have today, and and we truly care about what we do every day. It, yes. It's you know whether it be cooking something or interacting with a customer, we try to 
impart love into every scenario. Yeah. See, I, th- I think that's your secret sauce. As much as I love your food, and believe me, I love his food. Yeah. I love going in and interacting with your staff because yeah. they are so awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. Well, you walk in the door and you just feel that. Yeah. It just feels so like good. home. So good. And it's it's in a strip mall. I mean, it's nothing fancy. but No, it's not. It's. But you've it's made fun. it. Yeah. You've made it feel that way. Yeah. I agree with you. I We have a barbecue restaurant a half a mile down the road, and it never scared me. It never... I don't want them to go out of business. I want them to do well, and they I'm sure they will, but I knew that we had something different. Like you said, anyone could bake cookies. Anyone can cook barbecue for sure, but it's it's how you treat the folks that come through the door that make the difference. Yes. And I think there's something special, whether you're a Christian or not, about breaking bread with people at a dinner table. Oh, or, or anywhere, lunch or whatever. It's a very special, for me, it's a very special time. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a family that had dinner together every night, almost to the point to where it was a little ritualistic and there were a lot <laughs> of rules. And unfortunately for my kids, there's a lot of rules at our dinner table. So oftentimes I think my wife would agree that we end up more frustrated than anything. But we have young kids and... We should give them more grace because that's really the only time that we're we're able as a family to all be in the same spot at the same time. So important. Yeah. And, and a lot of families are completely missing that. Completely. We don't Because do they're always on the go. Yeah, we're not perfect. I mean, we're on the go. But if we can get a couple in a week, it's a good thing. Yeah. I remember, this is so crazy. When I go home to my parents' house, I sit at the exact same chair that I Aww. sat at. And it just is like that. Like yeah. if, if I went right now to go have lunch with, or dinner with my stepdad and mom, my stepdad would sit in his spot. I'd sit right next to him, and my mother would sit across from me. It just mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's love. It's so cool. It's beautiful. Are you going to cry on that one? No. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, dang, you are just not going <laughs> to cry on this episode, are you? You're being very stoic. Bring some onions down here. <laughs> So, um, and I think we've maybe danced around this a little bit. So why do you think volunteering or giving back is good for the soul? Ron Barnes. I find that when I am in a good place and I can serve, I can totally pour into those folks. And so it's almost like a monitor for me that if I am in a good place, uh, I know what's going on. I am comfortable with where God has me. I can totally lose myself into serving. Mm. And I can totally give in to those people. And so I love that because I can check, I can do a check on myself. I think the thing that amazes me about God in all these situations is he has the plan for the right moment at the right time. Yes. And so there are many times I'm sitting across the table with one of our guys And we just strike up a conversation, and I ask a question off the top of my head. And he looks at me like, how did you know? And we go into a 30-minute discussion on the thing he really wanted to talk about. And so I think the thing I love best about serving is I walk away from that meal or that time or that coffee or that project, and I am so full of love and amazement and yet fully knowing that I have helped someone in a way they couldn't have had that help prior. 
And so I think God matches those gifts, those talents, and allows you to pour them out when you're listening to him clearly. And then I think he rewards you with the greatest benefits ever because you actually do get to see the outcomes. You actually do get to see the difference. You actually do get to see the emotion. You actually do get to see a change. I think the best thing is you actually get to see a smile. And the smile is money. That is so cool. I saw Bradley last night. That was kind of cool. The listeners won't know what that means, but it's... Hey, he's been on my podcast. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm sure you listened to it, Hartsock. Ten times. (laughs) So much that I'm confused. No, but... I agree. Oh God, with you. I love what that a change. Kid. Yeah. He came and spoke to my pharmacy students for oh, me. Oh, cool. And just them hearing yeah. that, I just, yes. So, yes. Talk about God's not done with him yet. No. You it was pretty right. cool to hear. Uh, and he came and found me. I, I saw him, but I didn't want to interrupt the program to go. Yeah. So, for reference, if my listeners, if you want to go back to listen to Bradley's episode, it's called Spared. And it is a great listen and a deep dive into his story. He's a good man. He's a good man. And, and you know he's serving in our middle school yes. area. So yes, he's, serving, he's serving middle students, students, which is just awesome. God is so laughing upstairs. <laughs> so That is great. He told me something, uh, and he shared his story, mm-hmm. correct, oh, yeah. on the thing. So uh, his Uncle Jace, um, he shared a story with me about they were at, the sixth grade camp yes. a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. And Jace pulled him to the side and said, Hey, you know what? Two years ago I got a two years ago I got a phone call about you in a bad shape in bad shape. And this is where I was when I got that phone call. Yeah. Sixth grade camp. And two years later. Two years later you're here with me serving. serving. Loving on those kids. How and crazy they, is that? And they, those kids think he is the greatest thing ever. He's it's so cool. cool He's way cooler than all of us. Totally. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's another good thing. Uh, the benefit of serving is you form relationships yeah. mm-hmm. that you have no reason to be connected with. Yeah. So uh, as we were talking before this, the love and care and concern and support of the recovery networks some of those guys now have become my greatest friends. I think when you're serving too, to add to that, you're you're the most vulnerable. You're there's no pretentiousness. You're mm-hmm. the most real person you can be. So it's you get to see that side of people. There's no competition. Yeah. So what I was going to say about how that I guess it, it for me and I I didn't think about this until now. If you were late to work, driving down the road, and, and you stop, and you look over, and there's um, someone with a flat tire, you're already late, that person makes eye contact with you, and now you're obligated to go help. So you get out and help. You're running late. You're frustrated. I guarantee you, when you leave, you're going to leave filled up. You're not yes. going to leave frustrated anymore. I don't know of any person that's ever given themselves to someone, no matter how inconvenient it was, and left the situation not feeling better. So for some people, and I and I thought about this earlier, for some people, serving others isn't their thing. And I say to those people, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's not what you were meant to do, but but try it. Yeah. Pull over and change that tire and see how you feel when you leave. 
or, you know, pay for, you know, pay for somebody's lunch. Listen out, like Jeff Henderson, Jeff Henderson says, pay it backwards. You know, if you're at the drive-thru, pay for the person's meal behind you. Mm-hmm. But Jeff's little tip is to kind of hang your head out the window so you can kind of hear the order. <laughs> so, you know, if it's like a catering order, just keep going. But <laughs> oh, There's a budget to the serving. That's right. No, but I mean, seriously, who, when have you ever served someone and left frustrated? Yeah. So if serving isn't your thing, try it. You know, if serving's not your thing, we're in desperate need of resources or people to come alongside us and support us. So, you know, again, depending on what the person's resource and gift and talent is, there is a way to serve. It may not yeah, be direct right. one-on-one, but You're there exactly is right. great ways of serving. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you just have to be creative in finding it. You know, I think a lot of us think it has to be like a structured type of volunteer program. Not necessarily so. I think it goes back to finding a cause that's near and dear to your heart, getting on the web and just find an organization that might be a good fit. I mean, they all need volunteers. I grew up thinking to to go on a mission trip, you had to witness to people and bang on doors and, and have a Bible and know that thing from front to back. And I had a, my first Bible was King James Version. Talk about not giving a kid an opportunity to never read the Bible. Give them a King yeah. James Version. I'm sorry for anyone that offends you, but it's a pretty tough read. And I don't like reading. But I just thought going on a mission trip was just that, beating down doors, praising, worshiping, all this stuff. And then when I figured out, you, and it is that. There is, there's an element of that for, for people that, that thrive in that. But mm-hmm. that wasn't me. So I would have went my entire life not serving people in, in, in that capacity, not knowing that there are other ways to serve where I, I don't have to say a word to somebody, but I can bring my nail bag mm-hmm. and, and build something for them, and that speaks volumes. Yes. And it also gives you the opportunity, while you're taking care of their physical needs, to share your story or to share God's story. And you know what? I was able to do that, too. And yeah. that's not <laughs> something that I feel comfortable. I'm Again, I'm just kind of bashful, and <laughs> they don't believe it. <laughs> I'm not voting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen him turn that bashful yes. side. You know, the other thing too, and I, I love Good. that I get to think while he's talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I think when you serve in an area where the solutions are not easy, yes, it puts you on your knees. Yes. And so I have probably mm-hmm. become a bigger prayer warrior. And that was my gift. My dad gave me, he was a great prayer warrior, but we can all do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I have a friend that says, God always shows up, but he's never early. And so that causes <laughs> a lot of prayer. That is true. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think my relationship with God is a, light, a lot tighter now. And my time spending with him on walks, quiet time, drives to work, are much more intense and specific because I now have people that I really have to pray for. Because the outcomes are so dicey at the moment. Yes. And so I love that uh, my conversations with God become a lot miss, a lot more passionate, a lot more emotional. And come on, God, come on, come on. <laughs> a lot more specific. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. Did you have anything to add to that? Nope. Fresh out. Can't top that one. <laughs> okay. So next to the last question, Stephen, mm-hmm. 
How has your life changed by giving so much of it away? Yeah, I actually thought about this and I and I I wrote it. I had to write something down because I think um, the giving so much of it away part I struggle with because I don't know that I give enough with all that that goes on with with life for yeah. for most people. Just serving your family is is hard enough. Yeah, and that's the it most is your important responsibility, thing, though. And I back to my point of seasons and margin. Mm-hmm. Your season right now doesn't give you as much margin. I forget and, about and, that. And yeah. so your priority, in my yeah. belief, is your kids and your wife. Oh my God. And sewing into those kids to make sure they turn out to be amazing humans that love and in turn serve. I mean, that is that is your greatest calling in life. Yeah. I, I mean, that is definitely serving in the most major of ways. And being truthful, I don't always do that well either. But it's called being a parent. That's right. Yeah. But I, I um, you know, I'm selfish in nature, at, by nature. I think a lot of people are, whether they admit that or not, or, you know, there's maybe certain levels of that, but we, we oftentimes think about ourselves before we think of others. And um, I know for me, the best me, the best of who I am is when I am serving others, mm-hmm. whether it be my church my customers, my friends, and most importantly, my family. When I'm putting them first and serving them, mm-hmm. I'm the best me that I can be. How about you, Ron? You know, I take the luxury of serving for granted sometimes, and uh, I shouldn't do that either. Because it's, it's really taken me all over the world. You know, in February, I'll go back to Guatemala and do another medical mission trip with people that are all over the United States, and I call them some of my closest friends because that week is so intimate and exciting and fun. Oh, that is cool. And yet it's just crazy that you you would think that, that, you know, all those friends are there. And then I think of, I think one of my greatest joys, uh, my last high school small group that I had, um, they're all at the phase where they've all graduated from college and they're starting to get married. Oh, so cool. I was at a wedding the other uh, couple of weeks ago watching one of them get married and we were all there except for one. And it was just such a great season of celebration, remembering what they were like in ninth grade. <laughs> and now they're grown adults. I've got two pastors, a pharma, uh, a physician, accountants. I mean, you know, just really, really successful guys. And uh, one of their parents came up and said, you just don't understand what you were in their lives. And I said, raise it upstairs, give God the glory. But you know, I went home with a big ass smile on my face <laughs> because it was such a gift. And so I, yes. I think what's changed is I used to have a small heart like the Grinch. And every time I have the opportunity to serve, it gets bigger and bigger. And God's blessed that. Oh, okay. seven on, seven off. Yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> Need that. Okay, guys, anything else? Anything else to add? So I always close with the word relevate means to uplift or inspire. If you have anything else to add to this amazing conversation, I think y'all have just done a fantastic job of sharing your hearts and encouraging others to, to give serving a chance. The only thing I would encourage is look at the season of your life. Look at where you can make a little more margin. Figure out what that looks like. And then do find the thing that hurts your heart or do find the thing that you're filled with passion. Don't be frustrated when your life is so full that there isn't much margin because God will have a different season for you in a couple of years. Yes. But with your resources, with your time, with your prayers, 
with your energy, you know, find that one thing that mm-hmm. really is going to make what I call the big bang for the yeah, kingdom. Yeah, I love that. I just wrote some words. I wrote selflessness for me. That That's important to think of myself less, mm-hmm. which makes room for, for others, for sure. Um, and as Andy always says, do for one what you mm-hmm. wish you can do for many. So true. I oh, think about so that true. often. Just like, you know, if you're at the drive-thru, just pay for that one car behind you. Just do that. Yeah. And um, most importantly, do it when no one's watching, mm-hmm. when there's nothing to gain. And see how, see how that changes you. Do something for someone when there's nothing to gain. Yeah. It's, it's in the day-to-day. It can be found in the day-to-day everywhere. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here today. I'm just, I feel so blessed, again, to have you both in my life as friends, and I just thank you for inspiring others to to give and serve a little more. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Rena. The model of servant leader brought to earth by Jesus, who was fully God and man, is counterintuitive. The world will tell you those who've achieved the highest level of success or notoriety should be applauded and served. Jesus, on the other hand, turned that view upside down as he washed the feet of his disciples. A tender and poignant example of servitude and love. We are our brother's keepers. I challenge you to move that thought into action. What special talent do you have that could help others? What's your secret weapon? Find your fire. Find your butter then use it in service to others. Promise it will change your life. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.